Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. This is your host, not Chad Millman, Darren Ravel, and uh, we are here with the usual Simon Hunter, professional gambler, and we will have a great show today. If you're interested in betting on the NFL draft, you've come to the right place because today, Simon and I are joined by a man, fantasy pros recognized as the most accurate NFL mock drafter in the world, the definition of an NFL mock draft maven. He is Scott Smith. You can find Scott's updated mock drafts all month long at theactionnetwork.com and on the Action app. Scott Smith, welcome to the show. I have to ask you about betting on the draft in general. Obviously, we know that people uh, try to be accurate. You're very, very accurate. But how much value is there really uh, when it comes to this time of year to, to bet? And, and what are the greatest values in your opinion? Well, for me, I think there's plenty of value when it comes to, to betting the draft. Essentially, you want to look at a lot of different odds makers and the bookmakers. They're really all just looking at mock drafts to make their lines. If you can hit on a few of the key guys and, and follow guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager, some of the other sharps in the industry as far as setting mock drafts and being accurate with it, I think you can very much take advantage of some of these soft lines that are being set by casinos and some of these other websites. What would you say is the the year after year the the safest bet? Is it some sort of top five order? Is it obviously you know like <laughs> Trevor Lawrence at minus eight gazillion? I'm not talking about that, but as far as like a bet and a style, is there one that year over year you like a particularly t- a p- particular type of bet? The type of bets that I usually like in hitting on lines where they're asking for a specific player at a specific position to be drafted first. One of the ones that we bet on heavily last year was for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be the first running back taken. We hit on that one heavily last year. So it's lines like that that I kind of look to take advantage of, and especially other lines where they have a specific pick marker for a specific player to go over or under a specific spot. And like you talked about, trying to cancel out all the noise. And I I imagine that must be the hardest part of doing what you do with these mocks because you see things and someone like me, I love watching quarterback film. I love breaking down film. It's, It's honestly something I enjoy doing. And when you hear stuff from the media, you have to think to yourself, these guys are either trying to prop a guy up, they're friends with the agent, 
who knows what the deal is, but some things just don't line up with your own rankings. So just like to take a year, the Baker Mayfield year, Sam Darnold was the odds on favorite for months to be the number one pick with the Browns. And I think it was two days before, maybe a day before Schefter tweeted out a whole thing flipped where Baker was the odds on favorite to be the guy drafted number one. Is that one of the things we're looking at this year? Not with Trevor Lawrence, but Zach Wilson or any of those quarterbacks are coming to this top five. Are we going to see any crazy movement with these quarterbacks? I know people are saying Mac Jones going third. Is there a quarterback you see squeaking in there like Fields that we're getting good value on right now that people aren't talking about? You know, I, I think early on when you looked at the line and, and the numbers, you could get action on a number of players, Mac, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. And there, there was lines across, you know, multiple books to where you can kind of hedge your bet on each one and made sure that you came out with money. Uh, Anthony Amico is one of the guys that really did it and hit it, hit it good. But I, I think when you start looking at things, and Adam Schefter in particular, it's hard to bet against a guy like Adam Schefter because his whole career, his whole business is built upon relationships. And I, I don't see, especially when we start talking about the 49ers situation at three, you have all the sharps in the industry, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, Tony Pauline, Michael Lombardi, you know, and especially Adam Schefter. I think it's hard in that particular sense when we're talking about three this year to go ahead and bet against Adam Schefter being wrong. And, like, I hear that, but, like, the, the people's argument for the 49ers is just bizarre to me because they're like, oh, he's a Matt Ryan type. He's a Kirk Cousins type. It's as if people think RG3 never existed. People forget this guy worked with RG3. We saw what RG3 did in his offense, the one healthy year he had in the NFL. I mean, the guy was incredible. So, for me, I see Fields. I see Trey Lance. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is RG3, healthier, stronger, I just think this is – it's just an interesting thing to me that the Mac Jones thing is such a lock. Like you just said, everyone says that's locked in. It's just funny where I look at it from and go, are we sure that's really his guy or is this just a pure smokescreen by Kyle Shanahan? You know, and I think one of the things you have to look at is let, – let's just take Jacksonville, for instance, at one. They're spoken for and their hand's pretty much on, on the table. They're taking, they're taking Lawrence. I, I think you can pretty much lock in Zach Wilson at number two. So you have to ask yourself logically – the 49ers have no reason to, to not to, really to need to have a, a smoke screen. You know, if they decide that they, they want fields, they're going to take fields. It's not like they they traded up to sit there and have open negotiations to let somebody else trade into that spot. So I think one of the things that you're looking at just from a logical standpoint and trying to, to, to get through the smoke screen right now is, you know, in my last mock draft, I had Justin Fields there. And I've been of the of the mindset that, you know, why would the 49ers trade up that much value to get Mac Jones? And when they could have probably, you know, maybe stayed at nine, stayed, you know, maybe just a couple of spots before 12, gave up less to, to, to do it. But at this point in time, with so many people and in industry insiders, and, you know, I'm not an industry insider. I don't have access to the coaches and, and, and things like that. And I think when it comes to quarterback in particular, you really have to look at coaches and what their preference is. So, you know, you have the Justin Fields comparison to RG3, and then you have Mac Jones, who kind of lines up a little bit more with Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, some of the other quarterbacks that, you know, Shanahan's going ahead and coach. I just think when it comes to, to this standpoint, I'm not going to bet against Adam Schefter being wrong. So as it leads up to, to, the, to the draft, and especially looking at betting odds right now, I think if you can get numbers on on Mac Jones being the pick I would go ahead and do that now 
you know, whenever you're spreading, spreading your bets and you're betting multiple units over multiple different players, you know, shop the odds and see what you can get on a Trey Lance. Shop the odds and see if what you can get on Justin Fields makes sense from a, a value standpoint to go ahead and, and make those. But as for right now, you know, like I said, my last mock draft, I, I had Justin Fields, but I'm kind of sh- shifting over to that Mac Jones where I think that's who's going to be the pick at three. Uh, Scott, I have to ask you the idea of speed, uh, because in each sport, when something happens or there's a report, there are bookmakers that are better than others at changing up the odds, taking something down in the NFL draft in general, obviously over time, we've had more and more bet on this, which means that bookmakers should have more attention on this, but is there an opportunity to jump the gun and have a piece of news come out and within one minute get down something that supremely changes your opinion that makes a sure bet or are they as fast as as they are with nfl games when there's news on nfl games for the draft no from what i've seen odds makers and bookmakers are actually slower as far as changing the odds here on uh on the draft that's what that, that's why i asked that question because i i would think that they're slow if if they're looking at mock drafts and they're not used to looking at the news that make the mock drafts that there actually is opportunity to jump them if you're reading the news yeah absolutely specifically when the 49ers made this trade you know initially mac jones opened up with an over under of 15 as far as his draft prop DraftKings was the the initial one that hurry up and went and changed the that and his player prop dropped down to nine and it's dropped down even more since then. So it's not a, it's not a situation where when news happens, it's going to be an immediate drop. I mean, you have hours and, and even in some cases, specifically with this 49ers trade, I saw two and three days after where the market still hadn't adjusted properly to where you, you can still get value on all three of those quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones when it comes to betting. And then the other question I have is because I am a square of squares, but I do like to go, I I do realize where the squares are. And sometimes I go the other way, as Simon knows. Uh, I can imagine that the the books are taking like 80% of the action on the quarterbacks because that's the sexiest thing. Is there some position or some bet, whether it's like, offensive linemen or like should you care about Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater or is there some category of bet for the draft that you would consider advantageous because few people are paying attention to it because all I care about is money well I think uh, I think when you start looking at those situations you have to look at where there's some gray area as far as the scouting community so you know you, you just talked about Panay Sewell versus Slater you know, you have the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world who have Slater rated ahead of school in a lot of their mock drafts and things of that nature. So where there is some gray area, the things that you have to start breaking down is team preferences. You know, does one team like to run a, a certain style of, of blocking as far as their scheme? And, and you start to look at scheme fits for players. One of the other situations that I really like, I think running back is one of those positions where you can look at it and start betting on certain players to be the first one drafted, specifically this year. You don't, you've only really got three of them in competition. I, I think Javante Williams is going to be a, you know, a distant third. So you're really kind of betting between you know, Najee Harris and, and ATN. But I think you can still get some good numbers on a Javante Williams to go ahead and bet a unit that's going to make sense. But, but specifically looking at those looking at those positions where there's not a, a clear-cut guy the way Kyle Pitts is absolutely far and 
ahead over any other player at the tight end position. You start looking at those where, where there's a little bit of gray area as to who the top prospect is. Yeah, that's interesting. People do like Slater to be their first O-line draft. He's still plus 350 right now in drafting. So, and that's that's the quarter- di- by the way, the difference there, so the question on Slater versus Sewell, and I have a bet right now with some NFL player who bet me. I can't remember. It's on Twitter. It's over a steak dinner. Uh, I have Slater because I'm a Northwestern guy. He has Sewell. Um, uh, but uh, I, so Slater didn't play Northwestern. You know, he didn't play this year. And so you got to ask, are, are the people who are drafting, are the teams, do they usually care whether someone, are they, are, do they just like the combine numbers or do they care whether someone's played or whatever? I mean, it's really a Jedi mind game. Well, I think specifically when we're talking about Panay Sewell versus Slater this year, you look at Slater and a lot of people are going to go back to that tape he had last year against uh, Chase Young. You know, that's that's one of the things that's going to go ahead. But the big difference between these two guys right now, it, it's really going to be age. You, you look at Panay Sewell and, and how young he is sitting there at, at 20 and you start looking at, at Slater and you say, with the extra couple of years, whenever Panay Sewell actually hits the same age as Slater, is he going to be able to close the gap, you know, as far as talent and technique of what Slater may have over him in some scouts' eyes right now? And just to go bring it back to the quarterbacks, right now the over-under is sitting at five and a half, and we're talking about five quarterbacks going to the top 15. Um, it's plus 300 right now if you want to take the over, saying that there's going to be six quarterbacks taken. I, I know that teams do like to take quarterbacks second round because of the discount, yada, yada, yada. But I, I got guys like Trask. I like him a lot. Kid out of Florida. I could see him being a first-round pick. Mond uh, out of uh, Texas A&M. He, he's a really good, solid quarterback that people have high prospects for. Are, are we going to see any of these quarterbacks sneak into the late rounds, or do you think it's just top-heavy where these teams need quarterbacks? So by the end of the first round, no one's really going to be trading back in to get a quarterback. Yeah, not, not this year. I just don't see it with the top five guys. Um, this is a bet that I'm staying away from, uh, even with the odds that are there. I, I just don't look at any of the other guys that, that are there. And you're talking about Mon, Trask, and Davis Mills is another guy out of Stanford that a lot of, a lot of draft mix and people in the scouting community have as shooting up. But specifically, you know, a couple of websites that I like to look at as far as the scouting community goes, the guys over at NFL Rough Draft kind of rate these guys and have been very accurate and consistent over, you know, the time of where these guys are going to get drafted. And, and those two guys that, that two guys that are next up on the list after their top five is really Davis Mills, who comes in at 102 on the rankings and Kyle Trask, which is at one, 155. And those guys are both kind of being projected to be fourth round picks. I think the Saints have been one of the teams that have been linked to Trask here, here recently. I could see him going maybe in the third round. I just don't see any of these guys sneaking into the first round this year. Scott, you have uh, Najee Harris at 24. I know it's not uh, uh, Edwards Elair territory all the way down, but is there a possibility? There must be a, a, and I haven't looked, but there must be an option of saying, will a running back be drafted in first round? Any, any way that answer could be a no? Uh, you know, I think you start looking at the teams that really need running back. And, and there's there's really three guys that separate themselves. Uh, you know, I talked about ATN Harris and, and Javante Williams. Those are the three guys that are going to separate themselves. You start looking at the teams that need running back. Pittsburgh's one of them. The Jets are another one. Uh, Tampa Bay could be in the mix, although they just re-signed Leonard Fournette. I, I think there is a possibility that none go, but 
I'm leaning more towards that there's going to be at least one there in the first round, you know, somewhere between the Jets and Pittsburgh. I, I, I like one of those two teams to, to take one of the top two running backs. So as we sit here three weeks out, I know it's we still have a lot. A lot of things can happen, a lot, a lot of moving pieces. But is there any, any just player, individual player that he's got crazy good odds for individually being bet in a specific thing you're trying to bet where – you're just like, this is crazy long shot odds, but I think it's something that could happen where, you know, plus 500 to a plus 1,000. Do you have anything like that that you've been betting? No, there, there's not a specific bet that I, I've been looking. I got in very early on, on odds with, with Mac Jones being over and under 15, and that's going down and continue. I, th- I think quarterback is, like we talked about, probably one of the ones that's being bet the most. Um, you know, I, I think. I think the odds that, that I've recently seen on Javante Williams being the first uh, running back taken, I think that's around 350 from what I've seen. Um, that's one of the ones that I, I think you could get in on on a long shot. Um, and, then, and then if you can start looking at, you know, specifically how many players at a certain position will be drafted within the first round, if you can start to find some of the player props on that, that's some of the ones I, I would get in. The number I like right now is specifically at the wide receiver position. I like the number to be five. You know, I, I think uh, I forget what the odds are, but I, I know there's there's a nice bet out there to be made on over and under five and a half for wide receivers. So um, a lot of people are kind of mocking Kadarius Tony into the first round. He's a guy that I just even though you, you hear around scouting circles and inside the NFL circles that he's a guy a lot of teams like I just don't see him being kind of that six wide receiver making it into the first round. Looks like you also have cornerbacks at five. Um, again, as a Northwestern guy, I, we have never had, I don't think anyone uh, to a, a draft where there's two guys in the first round. Uh, Newsom, Greg Newsom obviously had a tremendous uh, pro day and that changed everything around and he could be in there. So cornerbacks are, you, is there a number there? Is there an opportunity there or is it too obvious between Sertan and everyone else and then throw Newsom in? Is that number more refined now? I, I think the number to look at on cornerback on is uh, going to be a uh, five is I, I don't think you can go higher than that. The, the real issue that you have going right now is with Caleb Farley, um, you, you know, sitting out a year, also having the back injuries and, and where are teams really going to fall on him at this point in time? I think Greg Newsom's moved ahead of Farley and I think he'll end up getting drafted. because He's a safer prospect at this point. A lot of people have said that Caleb Farley has the most upside and, and, you know, among the, the cornerbacks here, but I, I think he's going to be the guy that slips. I think Newsom will end up being the third cornerback off the board after Sertain and, and JC Horn. And I think you start looking at another guy that can move in and you're talking about Stokes from Georgia, Asante Samuel from Florida State. I think those are going to be the other two guys that you can kind of look at moving in on the back end of that first round. And you, you touched on a little about how deep this wide receiving class. It feels like we're in a golden age right now, wide receiver. Every year, every draft, they're like, this is a really deep wide receiving class. And just looking at it, like last year, C.D. Lamb, he slid. And we saw, I mean, I don't know if you said Justin Jefferson slid, but he kind of did where he ended up being far and above the best receiver last year, where we're, we're hearing things about Smith right now in Alabama that he's going to slide and people have him going to the Eagles where early on he was projected top 10 draft pick. So I'm interested if, if there's value right now and kind of betting on one of these receivers to slide because I've seen Wendell sliding too from Alabama. So it's just interesting that a lot of these guys are going to bump down just because like you said, there's guys in the second, third round that can be drafted that could be top, top level receivers. So 
Yeah, I think when you look at it, you have to start looking at some of these some of these teams and, and what type of wide receiver they want. But specifically, when we start looking at the two guys from from Alabama, they're both mocked highly in, in a lot of mock drafts. If you start looking at them, I, I think if you look at, at Benjamin Robinson's website, grinding the mocks, where you can sit there and look at every single mock draft, and he he actually has trends of where players were drafted and where they're moving. You know, right now you have Devonte Smith at eight and Waddle looking at his expected draft position to be at, at pick ten. But both of these guys, you have Waddle who's been injured. And then even though Devontae Smith had a great year, won the Heisman, he keeps saying that he weighs 170 pounds, but he's yet to step on the scale. He's yet to, you know, to run any of the drills. My particular idea about this whole thing is that he's he's well under 170 pounds and that he's waiting to do a workout until he gains the weight to get to 170 pounds. I think that's the magic number for him. Um, so you have to wonder – how many teams, you know, specifically with the way things are going with COVID and the, the draft process now, how many teams are going to start to shy away, especially from a guy like Devontae Smith, who has yet to work out, yet to step on a scale and, and do some of those things and allow teams to really be able to poke and prod to, to get an idea of how they really feel. Devontae Smith, when it comes down to it, you start looking at pass wide receivers with his physical profile and they, there hasn't been a lot of them. So he's an outlier as far as, you know, a, a wide receiver from a build standpoint as to whether or not he can have success at the NFL. So is that going to scare some teams off? Um, the rumors currently are, are, are that the Giants are hot, hot on Devontae Smith, but I think there's a very good chance that either one of Devontae Smith or Waddle can drop down past that 15 range. My last mock draft, I actually had Jalen Waddle going at 15 to the Patriots, but I, I don't think it's a guarantee that a team like the Eagles who need wide receiver help they also need offensive line help. They also need cornerback help. You know, J.C. Horn, I think there's a there's a, a very big drop-off between a gap between where J.C. Horn is and Greg Newsom. So I think you could see a team like Philadelphia with the, the wide receiver position being so so valuable and, and so, so deep here this year. I think you could see a team like Philadelphia take J.C. Horn, which I have in my last mock draft, and, and pass on, on a wide receiver, which drops one of those guys down. All right, Scott, I just went through uh, on DraftKings. I just went through pick by position. Um, it seems like there's wide variances, but I wanted to look at where the closest gap was in any uh, position bet. And that's first non-quarterback to be drafted. So they have Kyle Pitts at plus 140, Panay Sula at plus 175, Jamar Chase at plus 250. Those are really tightly packed. Is there any value in that? I think there is some value in that. Um, What you really have to look at, uh, I think the draft really starts with the 49ers, but but what's going to happen there with Atlanta? Atlanta specifically dealing with Matt Ryan and renegotiating his contract, I think they're tied into him for the next two years. So does that allow them to to trade for a team that, that – you know, may want a quarterback coming up. I think the issue you find is basically what the 49ers paid to, to get the three. Atlanta's going to want a similar package. And I just don't know if teams are going to be willing to move into that position to essentially draft the fourth rated quarterback in the, in the draft. I don't think they're going to want to give up that much compensation. So the other thing you have to start looking at is what other positions would Atlanta draft? I think Kyle Pitts is the unicorn of this draft when it comes to, you know, what he can do and the skills and skill set that he brings. He's a guy that I like uh, going ahead and, and getting a bet on. The issue becomes is does Atlanta trade out of it? 
I actually think that the trade out position for a team that wants to move up to get a quarterback is going to be seven with Detroit. So I kind of do like the money on, on Kyle Pitts there. If you want to drop a, a few units for, for Kyle Pitts to be the first non quarterback drafted. Yeah, definitely. What you said makes me nervous about it, where if a team does want to trade up with Atlanta, all of a sudden, who knows what the Bengals might do? Because everyone's saying the Bengals are going to need to take an alignment or wide receiver. And that's why that, that I Simon, that's what makes betting on the draft so unique. Right. I mean, it's like all of a sudden the rules change. You're betting on something. You you often know, obviously, like who's playing, who's not playing. But like that's the most screwed up thing maybe in all of betting. All of a sudden, everything you've assumed can no longer be assumed. And that's what I like to bet on with the draft. I, I like to bet on those scenarios because you have guys like Gettleman. You have these wild card GMs who are not old school, but they just do what they want to do. They have a, they have their mind made up. Like, I, I, there's so many draft picks. You just go through it. Like the fact that Haskins with the Washington pick, that was the owner stepping in and making him do that. That's what's so funny about all these mocks. And I, I do love mocks, but like you said, there's only a couple of guys who I really trust. And when they're saying like the Slater thing we talked about, when they have him going as a first lineman, that kind of raises something because these are two guys I really trust in the industry where it's like, okay, they know something. If they're not just putting Slater in their list for the good clicks, they don't need that noise. So that's what that's what I'm like trying to get into with him is that I just feel like there is so much value in the draft where if you do go off board a little bit, like we're talking about these wide receivers sliding, I love that value. I, I think I just checked before we came on that um, Smith's over under was 10 and a half. There could be great value in that. Like you just said, if Detroit or Carolina or one of these teams don't take them, he could just start sliding. So I'm just interested in what you view on is there are there players that you're like looking at right now that you're like these guys could easily slide in this draft if things don't line up. Yeah, I think we, when we start talking about specifically the these teams that may trade up into the the top 10 to to grab a quarterback, I think the guy that you you look at that that could start falling is Michael Parsons. You know, I, I think he had a he had a great pro day there at, at Penn State. Does have a few off the field issues. You know, he's the top linebacker. He's often been been it's been pretty much between both him and Patrick Sertain as to to the odds as to who the, the top defender is going to be be drafted. But I think Parsons is a guy that you could see slide down. You know, I think he could be drafted as early as seven to Detroit, but if Detroit's a spot that moves out and, and one of these teams comes up and grabs a quarterback, you know, how far down, you know, does he go eight to Carolina? You know, then you start looking at, at the Giants next. And, and then, you know, I think he's a guy that can move down and maybe fall all the way down to 15 to the Patriots. Me in the draft, I honestly, I just, like, he's just been talking to us about it. There's so many little things that can happen that just set off a whole domino effect. And I like to not bet on that domino effect, but I'm betting on the uncertainty of the draft because you can go through it every year. People do these mocks. You can go through them. If they just get half or a little bit less, that's a great year. That's a great year on a mock. If you can get 12 to 14 picks right to individual teams, that's a really good year on a mock. So when I see those kind of things, I like you just talked about it. The books have no idea. They're, they're literally going off the same information we're going off of. They're reading stuff. They're seeing other people's mocks where – during the season, building these football lines, they have a whole computer system, a network of people that are building these lines. So when I'm when I'm talking about doing weird things, like I'll post things out close to the draft, people are going to hate it because I'm going to do really weird stuff where like like he talked about um, the odds of there being over five and a half quarterbacks. I'm with him. I don't see a way that any of these quarterbacks get in there. But I also didn't think Jalen Hurts was a second round quarterback last year. So like teams will do weird things, especially a quarterback position where it's like, they don't even care. It's just one of those where the, the position's at such a high value that they just overvalue it. So I, I just see weird things happening in this draft. 
especially the fact we've had no combine, no in-person meetings. There's just going to be a lot of things that are going to be very different than normal seasons. Uh, what's your best bet? I, I saw a line out there. They set the over and under at, at 0.5 for uh, safeties to be drafted in the, in the first round. You know, the, the kid Grant from UCF and I, I think Trevin Morig from uh, TCU, both of those guys, uh, one for sure, I think Morig's going to go in the first round. But at, at minus 250, I think there's enough odds there, even though it's negative, to go ahead and drop money on that and, and have a decent return. Um, you know, some of the other ones, I think I think both Jalen Waddle and, and Devontae Smith, from what I'm looking at right now, are both plus 100 to, for the over and under to be 11, 11 and a half. I think, you know, you can go ahead and, and bet on both of those. I think one of them will return. One of those guys is going to end up, you know, lower than that, that 10 and a half number. That safety bet, I think, is easy money. I, I'm willing to drop heavily on, on that, even though it's a negative odd. But when you guys, when you do these mocks, like it's it's obviously really hard to predict the trades. But I keep hearing a lot of chatter about the Patriots being one of these teams that are going to move up into that four hole and they're going to take their quarterback of the future. Now, do you think there's any value of like betting the Patriots like first draft pick to be Trey Lance or Justin Fields, just on the fact that they could be one of those teams trading up to that four hole because it is a good value right now. Both of them are over plus a thousand to go to the Patriots. Yeah, I think uh, when you're getting odds like that, like it's it's fine to go ahead and, and bet a couple units on that. I mean, the values there, anything, anytime you're getting over plus 500 odds on, on some of these things, you have to start looking at, at spreading your money around and, and betting. I think specifically when we look at those 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 teams that you you think may move up, you have to look at, at specifically what they have as far as draft compensation. So the, the four teams that are pretty much thought to, to, to be in the run to move up, you're, you're talking Denver, you're talking New England, talking Chicago, and you're talking Washington. All of those teams, with the exception of New England, I think they're missing a fifth-round pick next year, but the rest of them have all their, their, their normal comp, compensation of draft picks. And then specifically, when we talk about New England, the thing that's interesting with New England is that they play the NFL as far as free agents leaving, and they often get compensatory picks back the following year. It's, I, I think they're like six or seven years in a row, like getting a third round compensatory pick. While they can't trade that compensatory pick, it allows them to go ahead and move a second round pick next year, a third round pick next year, because they know they're going to be having a compensatory pick coming back. So it makes some of the the collateral that they need to move a little bit easier when you start talking about a team like the Patriots to where whenever you start looking at the draft history and and what they've done, I I think it makes sense to put some odds on there if you're getting a plus 1,000 for them to trade. So that's one of my favorite bets. I I would tell people to shop around because different books have different numbers for that. And I just love the idea that Bill just went through it. He, he just went through a season without what we can call a really good quarterback. And I, I just can't see it, especially at his age, that he's going to be like, all right, I'm fine with just rolling another season with Cam. I, I really do think that all the beat writers up in Boston have been talking about it, and it's just been getting more and more steam. So, for, yeah, my long shot bet, I really like either the Patriots to draft uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Scott, is there any uh, thought about that some of these guys are less uh, – of less evaluated because of COVID, uh, because of fewer games, that it's less efficient and therefore teams and GMs will lean more towards where they normally lean? Well, I, I think what you have to look at is generally speaking, when you're talking about NFL teams, their scouts are, are going very much off the tape and what they've seen on the field. The things that pop up that change draft position that we don't find out about as a public until it's too late 
is you start hearing about the behind the scene things, you know, you know, this person popped at the combine with a, with a bad drug test, or this person popped up, you know, during, during medicals with injuries at, at this point in time, I, I just don't know how that's being operated within the NFL, as far as the drug testing, as far as the medicals are, are, are going and, and things like that. So it's, it's information like that, that's really going to be an X factor that, that's going to be coming out of left field that you're going to find out about late on, on some of these picks. So I, I think when we're talking about some of these teams and how they're going to fare, you know, you really just have to, to break down what their needs are and, and things like that, because we really just don't have access to the normal amount of information that you would have gotten from the combine that, you know, would have been leaking out from here and there. So I, I think really you do have to look at basically GM's past tendencies and, and kind of just evaluate needs. You know, and, and then there's still some things that you can look at, especially at the edge, the edge position, like defensive ends and outside linebackers in this draft. There are a lot of guys that have some freak athletic ability, you know, at, at that position. So you start looking at how those guys in the past have, have gone up. And specifically, when you start looking at the NFL market and, and, and where contracts are going, the edge position, those guys are getting paid. You know, Carl Lawson just left the Bengals. And, and so you start looking at some of these athletic guys that, that you have. You know, I think, um, you know, Ojolari and uh, the, the other kid from uh, Penn State, you know, teams are going to start betting, especially at the end of the first round, you know, when, when you can get a fifth-year option and you have one of these athletic guys that they're they're going ahead and projecting to, to be able to get better over the next two or three years. I think some of those guys are, are going to be able to sneak into the first round and you can start looking at the back end and project some of the, those teams to, to go ahead and take chances on a more athletic player. Now, I don't want to do this for our buddy Darren on the way out here, but I have to, I have to break it down. I feel like I'm an island here with the whole Zach Wilson thing. I have a guy that I have three years of tape on him. Okay, his first year, I think he was 13 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The year after, I think it was like 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And then last year, I saw it, 31 touchdowns, maybe a handful of interceptions. Great off-balance balance throws. He looked great. Are, are, I mean, is it not – people aren't talking about enough. The guy played at BYU. He got worked by Coastal Carolina. Like, I love the kid. The kids outside of him, I get it. I project them too. I think he's a great quarterback. But I have him as my fourth-rated quarterback. I don't see how he went from this guy from BYU that – yeah, people knew about him because we watched the football season. He played well. So all of a sudden, this lock, number two pick overall, going to save the Jets in three months. I don't know what happened. We're like, What am I missing with Zach Wilson? Why are people rejecting this guy to be the savior of the Jets? I'll admit it. You know, When it comes to quarterback and really breaking down the quarterback position, I don't think there's too many experts out there. I think when it comes to the position, it's really the offensive coordinator or the head coach that's, that's calling the plays that knows what traits that, that they want. You know, when, when it comes to Zach Wilson, he has shot up. I, I think all, all year when you look at things, especially going into to the, the college football year, I think the majority of people had Justin Fields as the, the second quarterback to, to be looked at as far as being drafted. You know, and, and then you saw Zach Wilson go ahead and, and make some of these plays. I, I think a big thing that, that people forget about, and you, you look at the old Bill Parcells things, the, the things that he wanted was, you know, completion percentage over 60 for the career, you know, a certain amount of games played. You know, when you start looking at a guy like Trey Lance, a guy like Zach Wilson, there's just not a whole lot of, of you know, film and, and a, a, a lot to, to look off of. So Zach Wilson, he has one year of, of you know, premier play and, and it's against lower level competition you know is he going to be able to come in and, and save the jets 
you know, I don't know. And I don't think half the NFL knows, you know, Phil Sims has him. I mean, Chris Sims has him as his, his top quarterback. You know, he, he's getting a lot of the hype. That's been a lot of the publicity that, that's going on. But look, you know, when it comes down to it, I, I think it's just a matter of what traits are going to match up for the guy who's calling the plays over there. And it's the same thing going ahead and talking about San Francisco. You know, uh, everybody talks about Justin Fields. Can he, can he go ahead and process and make the second and third read fast enough? Or is it going to be a guy like Mac Jones? It's it's these coaches like, like Kyle Shanahan that are going to have to make the decision that know a hell of a lot more than I do when it comes to scouting and projecting quarterbacks that are going to make the call as to whether these guys can come in and, and do it. But don't don't you feel like you're losing your mind? Like I literally feel like I'm losing my mind. I heard the same story, man. They like the Trubisky. People are like, oh well, he has a full season at UNC. He played well. Let's take him over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Where I'm getting that flashback right here with this BYU kid and Mac Jones, like. The guy played one year at Alabama, and now he's going over fields. And I know Trey Lance didn't play last year, but he was 28 and threw 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions this full season. So I don't know what's happening. I'm like, I feel like I'm losing my mind right now because I don't really get the whole Zach Wilson or Mac Jones thing. It's bizarre to me. That's going to do it for this NFL Draft episode of The Favorites, part of the Volume Podcast Network. We'll see you back here Thursday. A special guest host, Matthew Friedman, hosts our Favorites Thursday Thunderdome. My thanks to Simon Hunter and our guest, Scott Smith. You can follow Scott on Twitter at ScottSmithFF, and you can find his updated mock drafts at ActionNetwork.com and on the Action app. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. All right. You guys have a good one. As a reminder, the volume is now on YouTube. We've got new stuff up there every single day, including clip and interviews from all the network shows. Subscribe to the volume YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. I've been your host, Darren Ravel. I'm better than Chad Millman. And good luck betting the 2021 NFL Draft.